Okay, guys, you know that we have been going through First Peter. And, you know, there's a progression in a thought because Peter's writing a letter, so there's progression to his thought process. And so with chapter 3 and getting into chapter 4, he's been talking about the issue of you and I living our lives right now as believers in a world of suffering, okay? In a world where things go wrong, in a world where things go bad. Isn't that true? Things go wrong, things go bad. I mean, yeah, we just had Christmas, but I guarantee you somebody had something go wrong this week. Somebody had something bad go wrong. Somebody experienced some kind of hardship, some kind of suffering, and the question is, how do I do that as a believer? Now, last week, we finished up chapter 3. So we should naturally be progressing to verse 1 of chapter 4. However, over the last two weeks, because last week we had a Christmas message, over the last two weeks, in my time with the Lord and in my time in studying, I felt like we needed to go back to verse 15 of chapter 3. I felt like before we can progress forward to what he's going to talk about in chapter 4, especially concerning the issue of living our lives now and living our lives in the issue of of the suffering that we go through, especially the suffering that we experience as believers, we really needed to reflect upon and consider something that he is saying, because if you don't understand what he's saying in verse 15, just the beginning part of verse 15, it's not going to make any sense what we're going to be talking about when we get into chapter 4. Because your life and your heart have to be in the right place. Your life and your heart have to be in the right place. Why? Because the reality is, is we've got a problem. Okay, so if you look at the back of your bulletin, I've got a couple places for you to fill out there. I've got a couple thoughts about the problem that we're facing. So let me just go ahead and say this thing. First of all, in spite of all that we have, we still do not have joy. In spite of all that we have, we still don't have joy. Now, what do you mean by that, George? Well, you know what? You know, we used to, I remember years ago, uh, this is back when Brad's kids were in the youth group. This has been a while, hasn't it, Brad? Yes. Okay, so we took, we took our young people. We didn't take them to summer camp. We took them overseas on mission trips, and they would come back, and they would talk about seeing the people, the, the nationals, either in the Dominican Republic or in Bermuda or something, and, and they would have, the people there would have nothing, but they had a joy in God, a joy in the Lord that they had never seen before, that they had never experienced before. And they didn't have anything. But here we are, here we are in our culture, we have everything. You say, well, I don't have everything. You've got more than you realize. Do you realize the poorest of our poor in the U.S. are the richest in the world? We've got everything. You know, I may complain that Walmart doesn't carry my brand of cereal anymore. But I can get by, right? Did you understand what I'm saying? I can get by. By the way, Walmart, bring back the honey bunches of oats with strawberries, okay? They're at Goodman's, George. I know, I know. Maybe I should get them there. But here's what I want you to see. 
if we were honest with ourselves, we don't have joy. We don't have joy from the Lord because I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm not talking happiness. I'm going to explain there is a difference. Happiness is a feeling. You can wake up feeling happy. Okay? If you're a morning person, oh, I'm ready for the day. But some of you are not morning people and you definitely don't feel happy in the morning. In fact, you hate happy in the morning. Right? But joy is something different. Joy is what comes because you know that you have a hope, that you have Christ, you have God who can guide you through the midst of all that you're going through. And it does happen. Even if you don't have things. And, and so the problem is, is, in spite of all that we have, we still don't have joy. Here's the second point. This is why we can't handle the hardships and the struggles that we face. This is why we can't handle the hardships and the struggles we face. This is why when it happens, our initial reaction is, why is this happening to me? The obvious answer is, is you're a human being in this world. And bad stuff happens to everybody. Period. Nobody asks for it. Nobody begs to have a problem happen. If they're normal, they don't. But the reality is, is that this is life. But when you look at our reactions, it's because we have joyless lives. And the joyless lives are directly connected to our relationship with God. Our relationship with the Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? And let me just stop for a moment. When I talk about a relationship with the Lord, I've got to clarify what that means because for some of you, that means coming to church on Sunday. Folks, that's not a relationship with God or with Jesus. That's religion. Did you understand what I'm saying? If, if you are assuming that coming to church on Sunday is where you're going to find your joy, then holy moly, you know, we've had some great singing here but there's got to be a whole lot more than that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Even I would say that. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be the interaction with the living God in your life. And because we don't have that joy that comes from that, we can't handle the struggles. You say, I don't know that I even understand what you're talking about, the joy that can help me handle struggles. Yeah, you do. Because some of you have tasted just a little bit of it. It only appears a little bit. Like, what do you mean? Well, do you remember the joy you had when you first started sparking your special person? Do you remember that? That joy that filled your heart when you started just started connecting with them? And it didn't matter what else was going on in your life. You were on cloud what? Is it what, cloud nine? Your house is on fire. It doesn't matter. Isn't she wonderful? Isn't he fantastic? Well, your car just blew up. Yeah, but he's great. You have that joy, right? But I'm talking about, okay, that, that you say, well, that only lasts for a moment. Yes, but I'm talking about a joy that comes from knowing that God works in your life and loves you that should tear you through everything. So what's the problem, George? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. 
our hearts aren't right. My heart isn't right, and your heart isn't right. Here's what the issue is. We're trying to have our faith and everything else as well. That's why your heart's divided. The reason why you don't have joy in your life is because you want Jesus, but you want everything else the world has to offer you. All that, all the meaningless dreams it presents you with, all the meaningless goals, all the meaningless stuff, and I would say meaningless because you know it's meaningless because when you achieve it, guess what? It doesn't bring you the satisfaction that you want for your life. And you're trying to have both. And your heart's divided. That's what the reality is. And so that's why we got to go back to verse 15. For it to, to understand anything beyond chapter 3, you got to grasp verse 15. So let's look at it together. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're just going to focus on that first section. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, that's the King James. The NIV, I believe, reads, but sanctify Jesus Christ as Lord, or Christ as Lord in your heart. I think that's a better translation. So what does that mean, sanctify? That's some kind of holy language. Well, that's what it means, holy it means to be made holy. It means to be separated. And what he's saying to you and I is, is that you and I need to separate our hearts to where it needs to be. That is, focus back on Jesus. We need to sanctify ourselves. We need to make ourselves holy again. Because we're living with a divided heart. So I'm going to give you Several points here about giving up. Because that's really, if we're going to find joy in our life again and be all that God wants us to be and experience him in the ways that we he wants us to be experienced, we're going to have to look at five things about sanctifying our hearts. Five things that come out of this first part here. And I'm going to explain it to you as we go along. Okay, so here's the first one. The issue of sanctifying has to do with the loyalty of your life. The issue of sanctifying. So when you talk about sanctifying, that is setting my heart apart for God. Separating it unto God, that I'm going to serve God with my heart. I'm going to live for God. That issue, that issue of sanctifying has to do with the loyalty of your life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we have a type of Christianity in our culture that says, well, you could be loyal to Jesus because that's only one hour or two hours or whatever time you give it during the week. You can be loyal to Jesus during that time, but then there's your work time and you got to be loyal to the man or to the company. And you gotta be loyal to whatever your friends are. And you gotta, and so those are different things. So we, we like to compartmentalize things. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? We like to compartmentalize. There's my family time. There's my buddy time. There's my me time. There's my Walmart time. You know, that's how you are at Walmart because it's different than when you're with your family, right? And, and we want to compartmentalize everything. And so we, ha we have divided loyalties in our life. But when you talk about sanctifying Christ as Lord in your life, your heart, in your heart, what we're talking about is that you are readjusting, are you listening to me? That's what it is. You're readjusting the loyalty of your life to where it belongs. You're readjusting the loyalty of your heart and your life back to one person, Jesus. Jesus. Now, you could probably say, well, why? I'm saved. Yeah, but sometimes I think it's, we don't truly understand what salvation is. It's interesting. If you go back to the writings beyond 50 years ago, even in this country and around the world, it's still around the world, when you talk about salvation, you'll read and you'll hear terms like this, that such and such a person had a revelation of Jesus Christ and he gave his life to him. And he was saved. A revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I was, it was in a meeting in the, up near Toronto uh, back in October, and there was a, a Messianic Jew who was speaking at this gathering, and uh, he was talking about an Orthodox Jew coming into his church there in Israel who would sit and listen to the messages that were going on. And then one of the weeks, he said, this Jew had a revelation of Jesus Christ, and he committed his life to follow him. Now you say, what does that mean? Did he see a vision of Jesus? No. What it means is, and this is because I talked to him later, I said, you know, I read this all the time. What are you meaning by this? He said, his mind opened up to the reality of who Jesus was, what Jesus did for him, and he embraced him with his life. And I thought, that's what salvation is. Salvation is not praying a prayer, folks. I don't care how many prayers you pray, your prayer doesn't save you. It's your faith in the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what he's done for you and putting your faith and trust and hope in him. That's what salvation is. Do you understand? That he is God, the son of God, who died on a cross for you that you might have forgiveness because you couldn't do anything for yourself and you can't. And you're trusting in him. And see, when we talk about sanctifying, we're really talking about realigning our hearts again to the reality of who Jesus is. And we're giving him back our what? Loyalty. Loyalty. And listen, folks, when I read that and when I was considering that, I, I, saw, I saw my own life there and I realized, you know what, I thought back, you know what? I thought back to 1985 when I had, after reading the Gospel of John, one evening after a Bible study at the University of South Carolina, I, I, I went home and read the entire Gospel that evening and I gave my life to Christ. I remember the loyalty in my heart to him, but slowly over the years, I've let things creep into my heart. 
that divided my loyalty to Jesus. What do you mean things creep into your heart? And they're not necessarily bad things, but they're things that took my total focus away from Christ. They were things like my ambitions, my dreams, my wants. They were things like my goals. And, and I could go on with the list of things. And then slowly, some of those be things become more dominant than my loyalty and my love for who? Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? So the issue of sanctifying has to do with the loyalty of your life. Here's the second thing you need to see. Sanctifying, that is separating your heart to Christ as Lord, sanctifying calls you to remove the sinful and the questionable from your life. It calls you to remove the sinful and the questionable from your life. Okay. The first part of it, I think everybody understands. The second part, you may not. So let me explain what we're talking about here. All right, so everybody realizes, everybody agrees, we need to have our loyalty as believers towards Jesus, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not there. And the reason why we're not there is because of two things. But the first one, everybody understands because as soon as we talk about realigning our, our hearts to the loyalty of Christ again, immediately in your mind, the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your mind something that you're engaged in that God's Word says don't do. It's the sin that you struggle with. It's the sin that you are ensnared by, which is what Hebrews talks about. But if we run the race, what, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles our lives. And in our lives, we can get entangled with a lot of sin, right? I mean, especially if you get older, you've had lots of years of engaging in it, and it's got its hold on you, right? So sanctifying your heart, listen to me, sanctifying your heart is first of all, removing that junk from your life. It's taking the hard step of doing what it takes to remove those issues from your life because it's interfering in your relationship with God. It's interfering in your relationship with Jesus and that's why you don't have the joy anymore. That's why you're not experiencing the joy in your life is because you're in, engaging in things that God clearly says, stop for a moment, I'm saying what God clearly says in his word. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. For every person here, it's something different. Because I don't know what it is in your life. You know whose life I know what it is? Mine. But I don't know what it is in your life. But chances are right now, you know what it is because it's coming to your mind right now. And if you want to get serious about not having a divided heart and getting your loyalty back to Jesus, you got to remove the sinful. Now, here's the one that we're trying to understand. What's the questionable? What is that, George? Well, the questionable, I would also title it the gray areas. It's the things that you are engaged in that the Bible doesn't necessarily say to you are wrong. But in your heart, you're questioning it because maybe it's something that's dragging you down. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it's maybe the thing that is wrecking havoc on your life. So for instance, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Maybe for some of you, can I be honest with you, the thing that's dragging you down, here's a questionable item. It's not sinful in itself. It's not immoral. It's amoral. Ah means there's, it's neutral. There's no morality to it, but it could be the thing that's wrecking havoc in your life and destroying your relationship with God. It might be, here's an example, news. You might be a news junkie and you can't handle the news. And the things that you're seeing on the news are, are assaulting you and wrecking havoc in your life and, and distracting your loyalty from Jesus. Do you understand? You're saying, oh, you, you, we can't watch the news anymore, George. No, no, that's legalism, folks. I just gave you an example. It may not even be an issue with you. Remember I said it's not immoral, it's amoral. It's what you do with it. It's only an example. Legalism is when I come to you and say, okay, everybody needs to quit listening to the news if you want to love, walk with Jesus. That's legalism. Where we impose restrictions on, quote, questionable things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Gray areas. We make those as important as what God's word says about the sinful. But you need to ask the Lord, and I'll be honest with you, some of you right now know. Some of you, it might be, are you ready for this? Hold on. Facebook. Maybe, are you ready? And again, we're not talking legalism. I'm just throwing things out there to spark your thinking. It might be, are you ready? You mean the phone? No, the type of phone. Maybe it's a distraction to you. Maybe it's destroying you. So what do you do? You remove it from your life. Well, I got to have a phone, George. Okay, are you ready for this one? Then get a clam phone. The old one. By the way, all the rich people are doing that now. It's in style. But, and it costs really cheap with Verizon, too, compared to this. That's just legalism. Yeah, if I imposed it on you, but I'm not talking about me imposing it on you. I'm talking about you. If you want your heart to be where it should be, you need to look at your life and see, i got to remove the sinful. That's obvious. That's what God's telling you that's in his word. But the questionable, again, I don't know what it is in your life. I only know what it is in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sanctifying calls you to remove the sinful and the questionable from your life. And if you're serious about it, I'm going to be honest with you, the Holy Spirit's going to always show you what it is. And let me just go ahead and tell you right now, it ain't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. But you've got to endure the struggle until you can break free. Because our goal isn't the immediate satisfaction, which we can't find, right? Our goal is the lasting joy, which comes from who? From the Lord. To see us through the things that we're facing. All right, so here's the next one. I told you there were five things. Here's number three. A divided heart will always be in turmoil. Here's what you've got to realize. 
You're looking at your life right now. There's no joy. There's no peace. That's another word, right? There's no peace. You, you feel like God's not listening to you. You feel like your prayers aren't going anywhere. You're not seeing answers to prayer. You're not seeing God's blessing in your life. All you see in your life is misery and turmoil. And you wonder why do you even bother coming to church? Because it only adds to your ministry misery. I'm going to be honest with you. The problem isn't that there's something wrong with God. The problem is, is your heart's divided. And your loyalty is in all these different directions. And there's no harmony. Do you know what I mean? I mean, take, take for instance, let's, let's give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's take, for instance, a marriage and the love between a husband and a wife. Now, if one of those two is all of a sudden divided their attention to something else or someone else, how's that marriage going, folks? It's not going well at all. In fact, what would you say is happening in that marriage? Turmoil. Right? It's no different in our relationship with God. When you talk about sanctifying, you're realizing that your heart needs to become whole again in its loyalty to Jesus because right now, when it's divided, what is it? There will always be what? Turmoil. You're always, your heart's always going to be in turmoil. Here's the next point. For your heart to be truly sanctified, you must submit yourself to Jesus as Lord. All right, you're saying, okay, George, yeah, all right, I, I recognize, I understand that, um, yeah, my heart's divided, my loyalty's not worth. Well, where do I start? Well, the first place you start is bowing the knee. What, you want me to come up there and bow the knee? Not before me, not here. Bow the knee in your heart with the Lord. And what that means is, is, is bow the knee by going to him and saying, you know what, God, I've been trying to do it on my own. I'm just making a mess. I'm just making, I'm just, it's just wrecking havoc in my life. There's just turmoil in my life. Lord, I need to come to you and, and recognize that you're the one who's in control and I'm bowing to the, I'm bowing, bowing my pride. I'm bending my pride to recognize that I need you and that I can't do it on my own. That I need you, Jesus. And so I'm bowing my life to you and I'm letting go of these other things. You won't care, by, by the way, by the reason why you won't let go of some of those things is because you're afraid to let go of those things. And you don't understand what it means to bow the knee to Jesus. Well, can I just go ahead and fill you in? God is love, perfect love, so everything he does to you is perfect love. He's also perfect justice. Do you understand? He's perfect in all of his ways towards you. So you don't need to be afraid. But for your heart to be truly sanctified, you've got to submit to him, not just as my Savior, thank you for giving me forgiveness, I can go do what I want to do. No, no, you've got to recognize, again, it's the revelation of who Jesus is. He's God. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to bow my knee to him. Here's the final point. Peace and joy comes 
through submission to the Lord. All right, I want you to hear me. I hope you're like me, because I'm going to talk about me, all right? I hope you're like me. With George, I want to experience true peace and joy in my life. I think we all do. It's just that we're all going in different directions trying to find that. But have you noticed that all the directions that we're going into don't bring it? And you say, well, I found it. Yeah, just wait. It doesn't last long. Oh, if I get married, everything would be wonderful. You hear the newlyweds when they said, oh, if I get married, it would be wonderful. Okay, fine, you get married. Talk to them three years later. Do they still feel that way three years later? Very, very few. Because they realized marriage wasn't that answer. If anything, marriage opened up a whole bunch of other things, right? It's easy when it's just you, but then when you get two people together, <laughs> what do you mean I can't make this and do this this way? That's marriage, isn't it? See, true peace, true joy only comes, and I'm learning this, only comes from one source. Jesus. Jesus. And so you've got to go to him and you've got to bow the knee to what he wants to do in your life. That's where you're going to find it. And then when you face the stuff that comes from life, and you will, you'll be able to get through it. Say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, let me uh, just give you two things to think about. Number one, the stuff you're holding on to is stifling your joy in your life. The stuff you're holding on to. The thing that is dividing your heart. The thing that you... you Remember I said our problem is, is we want to have Jesus and we want to have everything else. Well, I'm going to be honest with you that everything else is stifling the joy in your life. Stifling it. You've got to recognize that. In fact, I, I would encourage you, you know, the tendency is, is we're going to, a lot of times we'll forget later on today what we were talking about here, and that's okay. It's a long haul process. But I would encourage you maybe to think about it for a moment and think about what is it in my life that is greater than my God in my giving it attention. And I'm going to be honest with you, whatever it is, is stifling the joy in your life. Here's the second one. You have to place everything in your life at his feet. That's what it means to sanctify. It means, George Cannon, you've got to give your ambitions, you've got to give your dreams, you've got to give your desires, you've got to give everything, everything that you want, everything that you're focused on, everything that is not him, 
you put it at his feet because you want to put all of it in subjection to him and say, Jesus, I just want you. So you know what it is in your life? I don't. I know what it is in my life. But you know what it is in your life. And be willing to let go. To give it up. That's how you get your heart right. That's how you get your heart right. Let me pray for you.